0: This is Evan at Stride. Today we're going to have another Stride for the Love of Running webinar series uh, transcripted to the podcast audio version. Today we talked with Dr. Josh Emder. He is uh, a great, great runner himself and a professional in the medical field. So he gave us a lot of information, uh, you know, things pertaining to runner's immune systems, what you can do. To stay healthy, and then he answered listener questions and answers. If you want to follow along with these streams live, we have been doing this on our YouTube and Facebook page uh, every few days out of the week. You can definitely go to blog.stride.com if you want to catch these live. But for now, here is the audio version of the episode we recorded with Dr. Josh Emder.
1: So, running good for your immune system in moderation, but the bigger picture here and i'll keep on going back to the bigger picture because my training is in family medicine and overall i'm more of like a macro kind of guy than a real ditty nitty-gritty like molecular type uh, type person type physician but big picture running is good for your health i mean it it decreases your blood pressure it decreases your risk for diabetes it promotes weight loss and improves your mood it decreases stress it improves your sleep and all of those things will improve your immune your immune function. So if you're doing all if you're if you're running and you're sleeping well and you aren't stressed and you are eating well, like yes, your immune system should be should be optimal.
0: Awesome. Yeah. The other thing that I've seen, uh, you know, a lot personally because here in Boulder, we're still uh, able to go outside. And uh, you know, still practice the social distancing, keeping you know mind- mindful width away from people. Um, but if I do go outside, or if I'm, you know, driving somewhere or going on a casual bike ride, it seems like, the amount of people now picking up that moderate level of exercise, maybe up to that 150 minutes per week that otherwise wouldn't, it seems like that number is kind of skyrocketed just because people are taking advantage of the situation of being able to get outside if the situation kind of allows them to. So um, do you think that that's a benefit of people that um, you know, probably the people tuning into the stream right now are runners themselves, and so they haven't uh, had that zero level of uh, exercise. But do you think that that's a totally okay thing to do right now for people?
1: Yeah, so like I was saying in the intro that like the the foundation is different for everyone. So if you're used to doing you know forty eight hours of endurance per week and like that's your baseline, like you like that 150 minutes like for you is probably too little, but that's where like being able to have the tools to know what your baseline is. So, you know, where you are like for, for your own personal scale. So if you're going back to my analogy from like my first marathon, like if you take someone off the couch and you get them going too hard every day, that will kind of provide a lot of stress, which can then in turn have negative effects on your immune system. And there was a really interesting study that I came across while kind of prepping for this call done on uh, Olympic athletes. And they've, they've been looking at Olympians now, I think for the past three or four Olympic games, um, they, it was a retrospective analysis of like 27 Olympic athletes and they found a five to 18% increase in the four weeks after their competition so like that's where a lot of this is coming from overall there's still not a ton of great evidence for like really linking exercise with like like say t-cell function or really looking at the the the, like the the basic science of, of of immunity but looking at these kind of large studies intuitively it makes a lot of sense so like if you aren't running and you go out and you just start overdoing it right now and you're stressed because you aren't working, your family's at home, your internet keeps on cutting out, you're being asked to be on webinars. Overall, like immunity, it, 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 it probably it, it probably isn't the best thing for you.
0: Right. Uh, this kind of segues perfectly into the uh, next question that we had of, you know, the, the, the question here is what puts a runner's immune system at risk, but maybe you can expand and just educate people a little bit more about how adding in different types of stress might, like, uh, inhibit immune system function.
1: Yeah, and I have this discussion with my patients and athletes all the time, and it's 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 hard for all of us to wrap our our minds around. But stress is stress, whether that's stress from from effort, from from training, from competing, or from, from work, or from, from not sleeping. On the body level, when you're stressed, it does the same things physio- physio- physiologically, no matter how you're applying that stress to yourself. When you're stressed, heart rate goes up, blood pressure goes up, stress hormones go up, and that whole cascade of events, um, they have like a negative impact on your whole body. There's a, a, a book that I love uh, by Magnus and Stolberg, Stolberg called Peak Performance. I just always go back to this book where I don't think they were the first people to really coin this growth equation, but they propose that growth equals stress plus rest. And I just love that because in order to grow, you do, you do, you do need some stress and we know this professionally from our work we know this athletically from training you need to have you need to have some sort of stress to be able to get stronger but the, the thing that we always forget is the rest part because it's when we rest is when we can really reap the rewards of the stress that we've done and stress without rest will ultimately kill like that's a disease so that's that equation is a big picture way to to find that balance.
0: Let's um let's maybe take that line of thought, and if we're looking at you know this as maybe an equation or a line of thinking, is there a recommendation that you might have for just like a general rule of thumb? We've talked to uh, you know different coaches that have said you know they're recommending their athletes cut overall intensity by x% percent, or if they normally do a long run of 16 miles, they should scale it back to 12 to 14. Is there maybe a a concrete piece of advice or two that you could give to people to reduce this overall stress or maybe not even reduce it, but help them be mindful that it's okay to not, um, you know, try and keep that high, high level of output when that stress is even higher and they have to work on balancing that equation.
1: Yeah, so great question. Number one, a great rule of thumb is whenever you go out for a run, you want you want to feel better after, afterwards than before you started. I'd say right now in this time of pandemic, like going out, doing hard inter- intervals, hill repeats, like really, you know, doing like zone, you know, spending a lot of time in like zone four, zone five, and even too much like time in zone three. Probably just isn't needed right now. Like if you if you're really wanting to just stay healthy and maintain, like stay you know in an easy to moderate kind of zone and get out there and you know move because movement and like with exercise when you're when you when everything's when your muscles are firing you're getting good circulation. um, That's where like your all your immune cells are being like recycled in all in your tissues just as everything's moving around your system. That's great. But going to the point where you're really stressing the system is uh, is not what I would recommend right now. And getting to like even a more granular way to measure—that's one thing that I, I I think Stride is great at. Because it for me, when I started running, I I hit a plateau when I realized I was always going too hard. I started working with a coach, and he was like, you know. Like, Josh, just like take it easy sometimes. And it's like, why would I do that? Like, I have a half hour, like I'm going to go hard. He's like, that's not how it works. Like, you need to spend like 80% of your time going easy and like easy to moderate zones. And then like the other 20% going like really hard. And when you're like 20s and 30s, especially as a guy, I think women are much better at moderating than, than us guys are. But I found that Stride was a really good tool to actually be able to quantify what, what easy and hard is. And before, before you stride, I used heart rates and the heart rate also works. Like once you know what your lactate thresholds are, but for the stride users out there, like actually look at those zones. Like right now, if you want to focusing on just baseline health, you know, make sure that you're in yeah. like zone, zone one, zone two, maybe a little bit in zone three, but you don't want to be in zone three. You don't want to be like in tempo threshold like all the time because that's just stressing your body and you aren't necessarily going to get stronger there Uh, another thing that stride has is uh like the running stress what do you guys call it the running stress
0: yeah rss running stress score and then we have uh now rsb running stress balance has been a a, you know a thing we've compounded off of that Uh, it's Uh, you know, using the same sort of trends that some people, uh, we're getting some questions right now uh, of like training stress scores. So that might be from another platform like, like training peaks, but just the general um, performance management chart is the concept of taking your little bit shorter duration, average stress versus your little bit longer cumulative stress and looking at the difference between them. yeah. yeah. I mean, this is beautiful. I mean, you guys have figured it out. I mean, for the stride
1: users like right now, staying in the maintenance zone, mm-hmm. you don't have any races coming up. Mm-hmm. Like You just want to maintain, you want to, you know, um, keep moving. You want to make sure that mentally, like you're managing your stress mm-hmm. and, and uh, you're be able, you're able to be good to your, your family and not just like cooped up in a room. Right. But um, like now is not the time. Where you really want to be overreaching,
0: right? And this is even uh, you know a thing that people might not realize. You know, talking about the same subject of uh, you know balancing this equation. So let's say you have your normal schedule, and your coach has given you your training plan, and you normally do intervals on Tuesday and a threshold on Friday. And now because uh, between Tuesday and Friday, that Wednesday and Thursday. You have uh, some bigger projects that are due or you're not used to, um, you know, you know, being on conference calls all day, every day, you're used to that person to person meetings. And then, you know, because you're working remote, you're able to work from 8 a.m. all the way to 10 p.m. and that that stress is kind of building up. So it's OK to recognize that that Tuesday and Friday session maybe has to be brought down a little bit and realize that that other stress is compounding and would make your recovery from those efforts a little bit harder too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And my view, and Evan, let let me know what your thoughts are. My view as an athlete is really having just this huge foundation base. Yes. That takes years. Yeah. So for me, like 10 years into my career of marathoning, like I noticed that every marathon gets easier mm-hmm. and I mean, sure. My times like aren't necessarily always getting faster, mm-hmm. but once you have that multi-year base, mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to ramp up and do like some sharpening, maybe, you know, start like eight weeks, even mm-hmm. like a four year goal race
0: mm-hmm.
1: but for me, like for an overall health standpoint, I think. Making sure that you always have that huge aerobic base that takes years, mm-hmm. and then if you miss, like you don't do that Tuesday interval workout right now for the next couple of months, you're going to be okay, and yeah. you might even be more, you might even be healthier for it. Right. Um, so that's that's a really important point that I, I really always like to have with with my patients I'm like you know what it's okay i mean we're all kind of type a i mean we're on a stride <laughs> webinar right and we're wanting to know the data right but in the big picture like missing a couple of like w- weeks of those workouts mm-hmm. It, it, it probably isn't going to have a huge impact on your performance right. when we're talking about races now that are months out.
0: Right. Um, we have uh, a couple questions that trickled in, but I want to uh, plug one point uh, here that you, you mentioned this, this huge aerobic base and this, you know, base training and just having that ability, the, uh, you know, kind of line of thinking, because at Stride, we're hopelessly optimistic. we're We're so positive about things is that as soon as we, heard these you know spring into early summer races are getting postponed or canceled. Uh, the immediate line of thinking that we have is that the fall into winter racing season is going to be the best that everyone's ever had, just because they have time to get back to the basics and build up this this huge again aerobic engine, this aerobic house. Um, there's a good coach out of uh, Italy. His name's Renato Canova, but he talks about uh, how he trains the world top Kenyans uh, and like the top athletes in the world, and they have to spend years literally building the foundation of a house, or else you can't put a nice, you know, fancy living room and, and nice, nice bedroom that. You have to build the foundation first. So, um, the, yeah, the point that you make of having that aerobic base, that's totally something that people uh, should be able to focus on right now. Uh, I do want to get your take on a couple of these questions here. This first one is from Daniel and he says, when I ramp up my training, I often feel like I'm fighting off a cold after I have sniffles or sneezing. I fight it off in the next few hours. Uh, so this might be one point to talk about of, are there any uh, acute short-term things that the body does after a hard training stimulus? And then he also asks, are glutamine supplements useful for runner health? Sure. Uh,
1: having like the sniffles, dry cough after a run, very common, especially in people who might have like some reactive airway disease or allergies. I'd like to know if that's like seasonal. If so, you might want to try like a, a non-sedating antihistamine do some nasal rinses, um, maybe even be checked for asthma if you have like a chronic cough. But something like that just right after a run really makes it sound like it's reactive and not really anything like with your immune response. As far as glutamine, I'm not a a huge uh, proponent of supplements. I recommend supplementing things that we know there's deficiencies of. With that, my understanding with glutamine is uh, it can be, uh, helpful for uh, like gut permeability i think there's some some research into that and that's really the whole next frontier with this whole gut microbiome and you're there's no doubt that your gut microbiome is a, a huge part of your immune system we just don't have enough information i don't have enough information i think collectively um, as a human race we are still just at the tip of the iceberg of totally understanding that i'd say if you're having like some some gut issues it might be worthwhile to kind of explore that further but just taking you know glutamine like for like a blanket statement for everyone
0: i I really just don't know yeah great great response i i'm fascinated by the uh the topic you bring up of the gut microbiome stuff because that seems like it's that next frontier of finally being able to uh do more work and try and understand that because it's a seems like it's a big mystery relatively to uh to, to a lot of researchers and people and everybody has a different situation and how you can affect you know aerobic performance by you oh, know doing right. transplants and training your gut in certain ways too
1: yeah no there's, it's i'm really looking forward to the future and knowing knowing more about it because it's it, it just makes so much sense right i mean you have like. Like I forget what the statistic is, but you have all these bacteria that are living in you and somehow your immune system is like cool with it. But if it's like the wrong ones then your immune system's like fighting it. And again, it's that balance. I mean, it's all about balance and finding that equilibrium state. And so much of it's out of our control, like our, like, like uh, it's happening at the physiologic level, but we can't necessarily control it other than making sure we're doing things to to support our general
0: health. Totally. Um, next question here comes from M. B. They say, is there a way to quantify that, like a training stress score? So this was coming back to what we were talking about earlier. Um, and maybe if you had any other thoughts about uh, a practical situation where you would say um, that in your own training, may- maybe a time that you've looked at, you know, a running stress score or just overall stress, or um, you know, the the newer running stress balancing that we have, or just you as you know a a numbers person and on on the medical side is there a way to quantify um, that with a a number that maybe we provide but also just general feeling
1: i mean the the main thing is if you notice that your your performance is deteriorating like say you're on the same usual training schedule that you're on and your performance is going down you see your Resting heart rate going up, you see your heart rate vari- heart rate variability, your HRV going down, and you just aren't performing as well. like that's the time to really readdress what you're doing and consider taking some time off, not, not completely off, but just dialing it back so you can recover and you, you don't go into the overreaching or really in the extreme examples like developing an overtraining syndrome where people are physically sick from too much training. Uh, I find that it's really hard to look at your metrics objectively. Uh, I don't really look at my metrics. That's why I are a coach to do it. And the, the same way is why it's, it's good to have a doctor, right? Because we all kind of lie to ourselves constantly where it's like, oh, like I just had a bad day. And then like you go out for your next workout a couple of days later and it's another bad day and you just make up excuses. But it's that pattern where you'll, when you're applying too much stress, where you're actually doing deleterious effects to your body.
0: Totally, yeah, and it's uh, you know there are numbers that platforms, you know, like ourselves or other platforms will try and assign to those points. But uh, yeah, it, use use that common sense and maybe use that sort of thing of yeah, if you if you go out for three sessions in a row and it's just not happening, it's it's okay to recognize that too. the The body is very good at telling you. Uh, yeah.
1: It's it's nice paying
0: someone to like tell you that though, too. (laughs) Right, you're you're a little bit more likely to listen. That is true. Um, next question here is zone five or zone four or zone five intervals a good thing to do at this time, as long as you know that stress in your body doesn't feel like it's overwhelming, maybe your RSB doesn't go way too negative so um, we can only speak you know from the stride side for how we calculate that if you're going below negative 25 that's when we tell you hey you're getting in that cautionary zone because we want to tell you before you go to uh, way too far we want to give you that little heads up. so would you say right now that it is an okay thing to not be incorporating a lot of that high density zone four zone five intervals in your training?
1: You know it might actually be good as long as it's as long as it's a, a true interval. Like if you're going and your uh, training's up to it, you know, if, as long as you're spending like less than like 60 minutes in like a really high zone and you're recovering and you feel better after that, the workout, there, there's, there are some studies that show that like a vigorous, intense stimulus can improve your, your immune function. We just don't really know. And if you're, if, if, if you're in tune with your body and you can pull it off and you feel better afterwards, I'd say keep on going. But what you don't want to do is go hard and like, you know, the next day feel worse for it because then you'll be more prone for,
0: for just over, overall deterioration. <laughs> totally. Yeah, no, I, I think that's great. Um, let's see. We have two more questions before we move on to our uh, next, next subject. Floyd asks, I am 72. Should I be ultra-conservative, say, stay in zone two, but maybe go longer due to higher risk for COVID-19 for us old guys?
1: Well, um, I'd say age, we do know, is a risk factor for for, uh, COVID-related complications. Um, I, I think more so than really talking about the running, I mean, the ways to decrease your risk for COVID-19. Really just make sure you're getting enough sleep. Make sure that you're eating a really healthy diet that isn't full of a bunch of processed foods. Um, I think th- there's some research that shows uh, taking in a, an adequate amount of carbohydrate is actually probably good for your, your immune system. So um, you know, decreasing stress, um, and really the biggest one is decreasing your risk to exposure to the pathogens. So if you're like going out and you're running around, like here in Boulder, like I've, I've been out for runs where it's 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 almost impossible to maintain six feet of distance because you're like There's dogs, you're passing people. Is this virus that catchy? I mean, who knows? I mean, it's spread by micro droplets. Could someone cough? And while you're like running by their cough, could you inhale it? You probably could. So like thinking of those things, it, it, or higher value than really worrying about your, your, your training right now, you know, um, it is probably safer to, you know, just make sure you're dialing it back, looking at your overall, um, your, your training balance or, what's the name of that score again Uh, Uh,
0: running stress balance uh, balance. yeah it's the concept is the same across multiple platforms as long as people are recognizing that stress is generated from activity then you can use different markers to look at the balance between the stress
1: just as long as you're staying in like your balance zone with your Mm -hmm. training i say go at it but also make sure you're focusing on those other things right and getting back to diet to diet like uh other things that have been shown to improve immune function are the polyphenols. So, um, uh, like berries, mm-hmm. nuts, I think spinach, uh, grapes, artichokes. Uh, I got to throw coffee in there. I love coffee, Coffee's <laughs> yep. on. black tea, the dark chocolate that everyone loves to talk about. So right now is a good time to be, it's always a good time to be good to yourself, but mm-hmm. especially now in this, in, in the pandemic, like, just take care of yourself like the, totally. the things that your, your mom or your grandma would say hey like <laughs> eat,
0: your, eat, eat your broccoli Get right, All right. Really good advice to, totally kind of, keep um, this, this next question from uh, Leonardo actually piggybacks uh, totally on that uh, you mentioned that you know supplementation unless you're you know shown as being deficient isn't necessarily something that um, you're super strong for. But for a case of a supplement that's semi-popular, like vitamin C, that's a water-soluble supplement um, or water-soluble vitamin, uh, can you talk a little bit more about vitamin C supplementation and then maybe on an endurance side, is there any sort of studies or research to show that it is beneficial and then from a health side as well? So
1: vitamin C, as you mentioned, is water-soluble. The difference is... There's some fat-soluble vitamins. Those are vitamins <clears throat> K, A, D, and E. And uh, the reason why that's important is the fat-soluble vitamins are for are, are stored in your fat and in, in, in your body. So it's possible to overdose on those vitamins. So um, you do wanna be somewhat careful. Vitamin C, the water-soluble vitamins, if you take too much, you excrete them in your urine. So we, we think of them as being fairly safe. Uh, there's some, there is some uh, pretty convincing data for the use of high dose vitamin C for COVID, and it's something that's been studied with other viral infections for a long time. Um, taking daily vitamin C is probably a good thing. Like uh, for my patients who are taking it, I encourage them to. If you aren't taking it, I I, I don't I, I don't make a blanket statement of like everyone should be, but it, it is probably a good idea. Um, Other vitamins, though, that have been linked to immunity are vitamin D, and vitamin D, in particular, I see with endurance athletes, vitamin D being almost uniformly below, and the normal is, uh, the lab normal is 30. Um, There's some studies out there that recommend uh, vitamin D between 40 and 50 in endurance athletes, and it's counterintuitive because vitamin D the active form of vitamin D is uh, is you get from being out in the sun and we are outside a lot and you know we, we eat we eat well um, but I find that most of my patients do benefit from being on a vitamin D supplement but again vitamin D is fat soluble so you can overdo it And also with iron, I see patients who are just taking iron every day, and you don't want to be on too much iron either. Right, totally. (laughs) To
0: to have those measured and uh, to make sure that you're in range. Yeah. The one, I think it's a fun fact about vitamin A, because I, you know, I I learned this years ago trying to do some of my own research, just being like, oh, you know, because if we're, you know, runners, but then we're indoors for, you know, 20 hours out of the day, 22 hours out of the day, and the only time we go out and run uh, could we be deficient and stuff. But my favorite fun fact, I think, is like if you eat a whole polar bear liver, it has like enough vitamin A to overdose to it too. So it's something to be conscious of uh, in in, in terms of if anybody finds themselves uh, outside uh, looking for polar bears. But uh, yeah, Uh, we will take a couple more questions after this next topic Um, in this one is that this topic is being a little bit more mindful of general things. So you you touched on this of not necessarily having to worry as much about your overload of training stress as your risk to exposure. So uh, in your current practice, uh, can you tell us some of the things you might be recommending to your clients to be mindful now in terms of their health? So basically, I mean, like, really questions about exposure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And just uh, things in a current global pandemic situation. Yeah. Uh, just some general tips that you might be able to give uh, to people in the current state.
1: Yeah. Number one, this is a hard time. And it feels like there's, like, who knows when it's going to end. But I, I guarantee that it's not going to last forever humans are extremely resilient we're smart and we'll figure this out with that we're all gonna have to make some sacrifices in the short term and that means like i'm not going to boston in a couple weeks and that is the right move like i don't know why the, the BA took so long to finally throw in the towel. So number one is being responsible as a global community to limit the spread of this, to, pr- to protect the most vulnerable in our society. And most people with COVID are going to be just fine. Like it's gonna be a mild illness. You might have a fever for a couple of days, a couple of weeks, you're gonna be okay. The difficulty with it is that for the people who get sick, they get really sick and they're sick for a while in the hospital. So with that, the recommendation is this, the social distancing is and it is key right now to protect the vulnerable and to keep our 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 healthcare our, our hospitals and healthcare workers safe. So to do that, you know, six feet of distance from other people, stay away from enclosed rooms with other people. Uh, I saw a recent study of just opening up some windows is really effective at moving around these little micro droplets. Uh, in Colorado, and as well as a lot of other states, um, they're recommending uh, wearing a fabric mask outside. And I have been doing that for the, for, uh, you know, the past couple days. And that mask is not really there to protect you from getting the virus, but it's about releasing these little droplets into the air where other people might be exposed. And, um, it's not, it's, so like when I, I went for a run a couple of days ago around Boulder and was there really a big risk that I was gonna give this virus to anyone? No, no. You know I, I probably don't have the virus. We know that 20% of people though, don't have any symptoms. So you have the virus, your immune system is fighting it off. You don't even know, but if you're in the same room as someone who's susceptible, you cough, they get it. Um, so for me, the reason why I wore the mask is really an act of solidarity. And it was really cool running and seeing other people wearing masks and just kind of, you know, giving them a wave, knowing that we're all in this together. Um, For the people who had the naked faces and not, like, I'd kind of give them, like, a dirty look. Like, come on, like, if I'm wearing this thing, so should you. So...
0: Yeah, totally. I think that's um, it, it's also a sort of different thing right now because we can talk about yeah, being in Boulder. We're both in the U.S. and the the culture maybe about uh, wearing a buff or a mask or something uh, while performing athletics is something that a lot of people um, can can relate to probably watching right now. Where it's not a, a normal thing, you know, during the winter to protect your face from the cold, it might be a normal thing, but it might be a, a Thing that's kind of hard to catch on mentally for people to kind of embrace that. So um, this this yeah, you know goes perfectly into the, the the next sort of thing of should runners prefer to run outside? If they are outside, should they wear masks or should a runner prefer to run inside if that situation is available to them?
1: Yeah, I'd say get it I'd say get outside. Don't be afraid to go outside. Um, but just be mindful of those around you, um, try to make good decisions. And I, I have to throw this, throw this in there now is vaccines, like for overall health. I think the, the, the COVID pandemic is really going to change attitude with vaccines. So, you know, get a influenza vaccine and when the, hopefully we'll have a COVID vaccine in 18 months, kind of realistically, you know, get it because, as we become immune as a society, that, that causes something called herd immunity. So it's just less likely to spread if there's more people who are immune to something. So, out, to answer the question, yes, run outside um, if you live in a very populated place. You live in a city, you know, run indoors. Make sure that the area that if you're on a treadmill, that you know it's wiped down uh, with uh, proper. Uh, disinfectants, and you should probably have some good ventilation in the room too. So fan and open window.
0: Yeah, totally. And that's good, uh, maybe indoor running practice too, to make sure that stress doesn't go up too much because your indoor running environment might be 75 degrees Fahrenheit, but you've been used to, you know, running outdoors in that 40 to 50 degrees. That's that extra stressor like we've been talking about that you don't necessarily have to, um, add in there. Uh, I want to give people one last question or one last opportunity to send any questions in. We're going to talk about our last topic, and then we'll touch on some Q&As before we wrap up. Um, The last topic we have here is your area of specialty. And it seems like it's something that is getting more and more popular because of the current situation we're in, and that's telehealth. Uh, And I don't know if uh, this is like the worldwide term for it now, or if there are uh, you know, other globalized term, terms in different languages, but telehealth is a um, thing that has, you know, been a advent of modern society, but especially now, uh, it seems like there's a huge focus on it. So, uh, how has telehealth played a role in the coronavirus COVID-19 response?
1: Yeah, wow. Okay. So I I spent uh, the first 10 years of my career working as a hospitalist. So taking care of patients from the emergency room on. And, uh, three years ago I was approached by steady steady MD when they were looking for a primary care doctor who's a runner. And I was like, wow, I'm all in. that sounds uh, totally amazing. Mm -hmm. And when I told my colleagues about it, the uh, other doctors were like, like, what are you doing? They're like, you're going to go be like an internet doctor. Like, how can you even do that? And I was like, you know what? I think it's the future. Cause, uh, Really what it is, is it's about access. And right now during this pandemic, you know, most offices are closed. I'm the medical director for a nonprofit clinic outside of Denver where we care for the uninsured and where we've converted that clinic to hundred percent virtual because most things that I see even in my clinic I'd say 80% of things I can manage with a conversation with having people check their vitals at home, tell me what their blood pressure is, tell me what their blood sugars are. So uh, the real utility in uh, telemedicine with the pandemic is, one, the access, but two, really to just be able to have a human-to-human interaction, right, where I I can, uh, you know, provide my patients information, I can reassure them if that's appropriate, then give them resources. So there are things that I can't manage as an internet doctor with telemedicine, Um, but Honestly, a lot of those things that I wouldn't be able to manage over the internet, I wouldn't be able to manage in my clinic either. I mean, if someone's really sick and I'm worried that they have pneumonia, they need to get a chest X-ray, which is something that I can order with for one of my patients who is in Florida or New York, you know, I'll send them for imaging studies. And if like they're really in distress, you know, we need to get people to the right place. And uh, as our, if, you know, we're hoping with all the social distancing that we can kind of control this surge and flatten this curve. Um, so telemedicine can be really useful because if if everyone just goes to the ER, like demanding a test, that will um, really prevent the sick people from having access and it will completely overrun a system. So uh, with telemedicine, if we're able to help our patients with giving them the right resources of saying, you know what, Let's send you a test in the mail and you can do it at home. And in the meantime, these are the things to look out for and send me a text. If things are getting worse and we'll figure it out, you know, is, is really valuable. Um, the other thing that like with telemedicine and my, my practice at Stadium D is really useful for is really keeping people healthy. And mm-hmm. what, what I do with my practice, it, it's build like a gym. It's a membership model where it's a long term relationship. And people are realizing now that just as your aerobic kind of base is like the foundation of being an athlete. Mm-hmm. The kind of sub foundation <laughs> below that is your overall health. Mm-hmm. So if you're diabetic, if you have high blood pressure, if you have uh you know, problems with addiction, um, if you have problems with sleep, all those things really need to be addressed before you can really start any significant training cycle. And that's where like having a doctor having you know, a medical professional to help you with your overall health. Um, it will decrease your risk for COVID. It will decrease your risk for heart disease. It will decrease your risk for cancer. It will give you a, a healthier life. And there's lots of studies that show that people who have access to a primary care doctor who actually knows them and is aligned with their health, um, and then there's that relationship, have a lower overall mortality.
0: Yeah, it, and I it, mean, it seems like. Uh... The the growth of at least awareness of that this is a possibility uh, has, has been surging with the, you know, amount of people on social media being able to spread information. But the key players like yourself uh, and other doctors who can now specialize in being able to give, uh, you know, expert-driven resources to people that otherwise would not have had it uh, is is probably a huge benefit right now. I want to touch on uh, one thing you mentioned of this concept of flattening the curve. This is something that, you know, myself and probably other people have seen on social media or they might have, you know, heard it in some news articles or heard it mentioned, but could you mention again and just kind of define that and why that might be something that people should try and focus on uh, as a primary driver behind their other motives right now?
1: Yeah, so uh, I have two boys, or they're, they're, uh, they're nine and 10, and uh, they've known this, expre- this expression of going viral now for a couple of years of like YouTube. Um, and really what the going viral is, it's exponential growth. So with COVID, We know that it's each person who gets it, you know, infects, you know, two to four other people. And without any social distancing, with that kind of exponential growth, you get a huge surge of people who are going to be really, really sick and needing hospital care. Uh, That hospital care, um, I think around half of patients who are hospitalized with COVID um, end up being really sick and needing intensive care unit. Uh, level level of care. And there just simply aren't enough uh, resources. There's not enough intensive care unit beds, there's not enough ventilators, there's not enough doctors, there's not enough nurses, there's not enough respiratory therapists, there's not enough dieticians, there's not enough hospital resources to be able to care for the sick. And we've seen this in Italy, um, we're seeing it in c- countries all over the world, we're seeing this in New York now. So um, the idea is if we're able to decrease that exponential growth now, that we won't out, outpace our available healthcare resources.
0: And the, the other thing that I've heard uh, that goes along with this is that, uh, you know, other people don't stop having normal medical problems, which oh, right. is the, the normal strain yeah. on the medical uh, care system. Is that something that people should be aware of as well, that if you put yourself at risk for adding on this extra sort of, again, we've talked all about this stress equation, uh, you know, is that the thing that people should pay attention to of, you know, other people don't stop having problems, maybe especially so if people are cooking more at home now, there's more of a risk for people getting some, uh, you know, kitchen injuries or people are driving less, but that means they're more susceptible to um, other problems. And that's something people should be aware of.
1: Yeah, no, you hit the nail on the head, Evan. I mean, people continue will continue to have things happen, and and COVID-related disease is just on top of the the, the normal, and it's uh it's it's something that our society is really actively working on with like setting up um, really like field hospitals, you know, in gymnasiums and hotels and. It's, uh, it's forcing a lot of innovation, which is also really cool to see, like getting back at humans are resilient and we're innovative. And then in Colorado, our, our governor spun up a team called the Innovation Response Team, where, where we're just doing new stuff. So uh, it, it, there's no doubt in my mind that uh, COVID is going to change the world that we live in. And I think it's gonna make a lot of change, changes for the better. And Then get back to the telehealth question after covid it's no longer going to be called telehealth it's just going to be healthcare um people need access to doctors and when appropriate using you know video visits even a telephone you know that should be part of the model so people can get access to stay healthy
0: I think this is super interesting and yeah this is one of the things we prepared because uh this is something you know we talk about in the office all the all the time of uh you know innovation and in, in certain ways and obviously the um you know healthcare system and medical profession is something that uh is thriving on innovation is there things that you have seen change since you started with study md like you mentioned you were working you know in the hospital from er and on uh, is there things that you have seen change over the past couple of years? And is there things that you maybe foresee over the next couple of years because this stressor that's pushing on us right now is forcing us to uh, develop some innovation?
1: Yeah. I mean, number one, um, I've seen adoption of telemedicine, like over two weeks, like there's clinics and doctors who are like, I'll never be an internet doctor. And all of a sudden they're like doing it because they, need a solution to be able to continue to care for their patients who continue to need their refills of blood pressure medicines, or they need some advice of why their, you know, foot is red and hurting and they have a skin infection, you know, like that stuff keeps on going. So that's the first thing that I've seen. And the other thing that we're seeing is, uh, we're, we're seeing how important it is that everyone have access to care and, uh. With, uh, <clears throat> with, with uh, just policy, like I, I've seen things that, you know, the federal government stepping up to reimburse hospitals for people who are not insured. Um, so really like figuring out how to make the system work for everyone is, uh, I, I'm optimistic that uh, with this, we're gonna come up with some better, better social services for everyone in this country.
0: And that's, uh, I mean, that's a great thing to hear, especially somebody in your position, uh, you know, realizing that and seeing that there are these sort of changes that are being enacted. Uh, we have a couple questions before we wrap up here. Uh, Helder asks, this is going back to um, you referencing uh, heart rates, uh, maybe being influenced by some of those outside stressors. So if the average heart rate is a bit higher on, let's say your normal tempo run, you're running your normal wattage or your normal pace on a treadmill, is it normal due to the mental stress? Can mental stress have a sort of impact on maybe those, those biometrics, something like heart rate or HRV?
1: Yeah, there's no doubt. And that's one of the reasons why I prefer stride to heart rate is it is influenced less by your, uh, by your mental stress, by your hydration, by temperature, just a little bit more uh, objective of a measure.
0: Yeah. Super cool. Uh, let's see. Next one is from Brad. He says, do you have a good ballpark formula for salt for us, Florida folks?
1: So I don't, um, there's, I, I, I do uh, have some colleagues that I work with. who do sweat testing, sweat, sweat and perspiration is, it's a very individualized thing. Some people just sweat a lot more than others. Um, uh, I'd say if, if you do sweat a lot, you know, it is important that you aren't just drinking water, that you're replacing your electrolytes, but I don't go off of any kind of ballpark formula, but I know there's stuff out there.
0: And then, uh, if that's something that maybe somebody like Brad in Florida, uh, is, is seeking more, do you have like a recommendation of somebody, you know, that does that sort of like testing?
1: Uh, I don't have like maybe if if there's like some show notes i can definitely post uh something yeah yeah
0: yeah we can yeah. we can post that for sure yeah yeah awesome cool uh let's see last question we have here from leo is um outside of covid uh for overall endurance athletes uh joint health might be something that people are focused on especially um if they get Older uh, joint health might be a big focus. Do you have any thoughts on things like glucosamine, hydrolyzed collagen, or anything else that you might find is helpful for joint and tendon stress? So, number
1: one, uh, what's important? The number one important thing is to just keep on moving. And if if you're doing something that's that that hurts. <laughs> Don't don't do it. So like if you're developing a lot of, uh, you know, knee pain from uh, from running. Yeah, I do recommend like really kind of taking a deep dive, maybe working with a physical therapist or a, a, a biomechanist. do like a gait analysis. See if there's some little things that you can maybe improve on from, from like a functional strength standpoint to keep your joints healthier um, as far as things to take, like, I, I have a ton of patients who take glucosamine. Um, I tell, I tell my patients who are taking it and they, they think it helps, you know, keep on with it. The science there is not like amazing. Like if, if it was like, I'd tell everyone to be on it, but, uh, it seems like it's safe. Biggest risk is just, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just another thing to buy. Um, kind of same thing with uh, with collagen like I'd say if you feel better with it, keep on taking it but I, I don't I, I don't kind of recommend any supplements just kind of as a, a, a
0: as a general recommendation.
1: but so that's just me.
0: Yeah um, I think this is a trend that we've seen with all of our experts that we've had on is uh, nobody is very keen on doing blanket statements because that's not how experts necessarily function. So um, the advice is very appreciated, I think. Uh, we have one last specific question for you and then we're gonna wrap up. Do you have any plans for fall or winter races? How is your running specifically um, you know, be- being treated with this unique situation? Tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, a good question. So uh, I-, I still am signed up for-, for Boston in the fall.
0: Uh, that'll be neat if it happens that's weird weird to say right it's like oh yeah, yeah the september it, it, boston marathon
1: so as a marathoner and like former like big wall climber and mountaineer um i'm really treating the covid pandemic with that same mindset that I, that i use for all of those endeavors where it's really just focusing on what's right in front of you um i have this kind of mentality right now where it's like i'm I'm trying to really i' I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be number one optimistic, but two, um, I'm really just trying to practice gratitude for like the things that are really good right now and not focusing too far ahead and just you know just taking taking this time at home to like be with being with family, being you know really you know, engaged in my career of taking care of patients over the internet um, and just seeing where this goes. But number one, I've I've been guilty of this, of not spending enough time on myself. Um, So like my running, I have not been training very much. You guys can probably look at my my, uh, my stride data. Anyone can, can follow me on uh, Strava So uh, my consistency has gone way down. Um, So that's something that I need to work on. And my plan for that is to really start blocking off some personal time on my calendar, which is hard to do. But I recommend everyone listening to make sure that like you're like with with all these like back to back Zoom meetings and constant work, Evan, like you talked about is just put a block on your calendar for like every day at some time so you can go do, do something for yourself. Whether that's getting out for a jog inside or out, doing some meditation, listening to music, just doing nothing, if that's what you need to do, like, great. Like, it's just so important right now to make sure that you
0: are being good yourself. And then even just uh, having a 15-minute block to close the computer and kind of walk around is, uh, <laughs> is totally okay to do. Um, we just crossed the uh, about the hour mark, so we're going to wrap up here. You mentioned uh, people could follow you on Strava. I think Gus said he was going to plug your websites and your Instagram in the comments. But for people that want to follow you and then learn more about SteadyMD, what's the best links and resources for that?
1: yeah so uh you can find me on like any social media platform i think i'm dr josh runs on instagram dr josh runs on on uh twitter uh website is uh, steadymd.com um for all the runners out there you can do i think slash stride or slash running um we have about 35 doctors who are licensed in every state all 50 states plus dc um, offering this on this personal relationship with a doctor who's aligned with your life, so you can go to the website and you fill out a matching quiz, and you can you're, you're matched through our matching technology of with the doctor with similar interests, which is really cool.
0: That's super interesting, very innovative, uh, very 2020. Uh, I, I will say for sure, um, cool. Well, Josh. I want to thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we really do appreciate your insights. If people have questions for you, uh, is there a best way to contact you? Uh, you know, through maybe through Study MV, or is there a personal uh, like place where people could contact you, like Instagram DM? Yeah, let's, like let's
1: get on Instagram. Like sure. maybe we can uh, maybe you guys can help me with that over at Stride, where I yeah. happy to answer questions. And like I said, like right now in this hard time, like having the information. Um, feeling reassured and then knowing
0: Mm -hmm. when you actually need to be seen is really important. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks again for coming on. We really do appreciate you sharing your insights. I'm sure a ton of people uh, learned watching the live stream, but as well, uh, this will be posted in a podcast format uh, and we'll put all those things in the show notes too. Uh, for now, this was the Stride for the Love of Running webinar series with Dr. Josh Emder. Josh, thanks so much. I uh, hope everybody's staying healthy and safe, and we'll be back for another episode shortly.
1: All right, everyone, be well. All right, take care of yourself and and your families. Yeah, bye bye. <laughs>